Hello! This episode of Bonfireside Chat is brought to you by a couple things. One, as always, our Patreon backers. Go to patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Two, action item. You have just a couple days to go to uh, storybundle.com forward slash games and pick up the Pico game bundle. This is a awesome uh, book bundle, uh, ebook bundle that I am part of. Um, you get a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, Dungeons and Dreamers, uh, which looks awesome. Complete Kobold Guide to Game Design. Uh, Boss Fights Books is part of this. Uh, Hardcore Gaming 101 has their 200 best video games of all time. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked about it on shows, but uh, boy, do I love uh, Hardcore Gaming 101. I am such a fan of those guys. Um, Anything but sports, the making of FTL which is very cool. And then uh, the reason why I'm telling you this is because you can get Souls of Darkness, my Dark Souls-inspired book, um, as well as the audiobook for this uh, if you get the the full Pico uh, set. So uh, a portion, a significant portion of the proceeds of this are going to an organization called Pixels, which is a nonprofit that supports women in gaming, a cause that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm giving 10% of my personal proceeds to the ACLU. Uh, so this is a good cause. Um, you know, I am going to make money off of it, but I no shame. I have to pay rent. Um, but I'm also going to give back because, uh, you know, it's important to do what you can. So, uh, again, you can go to storybundle.com forward slash games. Thank you. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. Welcome to the painted world of Ariandel. I am Frida. I have long stood beside our blessed father and the rest of the forlorn. But forlorn thou seemeth not, ashen one. I know not the missteps which led thee to this painted world. But thy duty is all, and thy duty lieth elsewhere. Return from whence thou camest. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And I'm Dave Riley. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat, and it is a rotten favorite. <laughs> and this week we are talking about the Ashes of Ariandel uh, DLC for uh, Dark Souls 3, uh, speaking specifically about the entirety of the painted world of Ariandel, which is the entirety of the DLC. And as you heard, we're joined by Dave. Dave, welcome. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic to be here. Yeah. Uh, Yay. Um, so to, to tell people where they might know you from. Uh, so uh, for the past 11 or so years, I, I've done the podcast Fast Karate for the Gentleman, uh, which is a sort of goofy anime and video games podcast. That's mostly just you know, about cracking jokes with this old friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do a lot of video game streaming, uh, me and my wife, which you can find at bossdoors.tv, which is just a redirected twitch.tv slash fast karate. Um, I mean, that's that's the most of it. Yeah. I, I, am just sort of an internet dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a citizen of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, mean, uh, I mean, you guys found me or rather, I guess, uh, listeners directed you guys to my ashes of Ariandel review on anime news network, mm-hmm. um, which is, yeah. I guess this, I could say you, I could say I'm technically a game reviewer, but I don't dip my toes in that field too much lately. 
uh, just haven't really had the time for it. So Ashes of Arianda was like a sort of a one-off. I mean, I think I've written maybe two professional reviews this year or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, so part of it was uh, wanting to. So, you know, the review was linked to me. And as people who listen to the network know, like I'm not a big anime guy. Um, but I, so but I read it regardless because I was like, oh, this is, a you know, this is not directly uh, directly anime related. And uh, I like the review a lot. Like it resonated with my thoughts on the DLC quite a bit. And then uh, I posted about it in our Slack. And the person who actually directed the review to me said like, yeah, that's, you know, that's Dave. He does this podcast. He's really great. It's how I got my username, et cetera. And then I uh, kind of looked into it. I do kind of like a, you know, just to make sure we don't get anybody who's, you know, uh, secretly going to be a jerk. You know, if it's sure. somebody who I'm not familiar <laughs> with, I, I do some kind of cursory research just to make sure that like, you know, nobody's going to come on here and, and just start throwing around slurs, you know, or anything yeah. like that. No, yeah, <laughs> I get the instinct. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a, a little bit of a screening process if it's somebody I'm not familiar with and looked it up and I was like, Oh, like this dude's, you know, legit. And it, it's nice having podcasters on, yeah. uh, because you know, it's nice, you know, non-podcasters are great as well. It, it's not, um, you know, either or, but it's good to have somebody who knows their way around a microphone. Yes. Uh, you could say that. <laughs> I mean, you could say that's something I do. <laughs> like, uh, the most recent podcast I recorded, I recorded on my phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, oh, get and out! Microphone on my computer, and I'm glad I had the phone backup because I tabbed to Wikipedia on my computer and pushed stop and audition. So, uh -oh. yes, I am a podcaster in so much as like <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so some some of your voice has made it to the internet. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Some of it hasn't, you know, through various <laughs> technical glitches. Uh, but yeah, I, I was I was super enthused to sort of hear that my name was being spread around this way because I just assume it is not. Uh, I am, we have a really small community, but as you might gather, very passionate or rather very, I don't know, interconnected. Uh, mm -hmm. There's like, you know, a handful, a few dozen people who sort of inhabit this circle. So it's really satisfying to know that somebody was... Um, sort of responded to my review well enough to be like, hey, let's tell these other guys who are super into Dark Souls stuff and do this Dark Souls thing. I found it really flattering. It's a good um, a good example of of that quality in action, um, which is one of the, you know, there are a lot of dark sides of the internet. A positive side of the internet is that, like, if you like something and, you know, there maybe, you know, there don't have to be, like, you, you should let people know about it. You know, this is yeah. this is a really direct way to support something you like is to be like, hey, I thought this was really great. Maybe you'd like it. Yeah. Um, that is like a great thing to do for creators that you love. Um, you know, and this is this was a thing that was like, oh, like a, you know, our community member who is a big fan of yours, like made, you know, made the change you wanted to see in the world. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, you know, he 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 painted over my world that did not know, uh, did not know about your podcast and and your <laughs> review and and painted it with a new, new fresh coat. Yeah. Um, thank I'll, you, Lion Yeti. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The, uh, um, how did uh, how did you get into Souls? Have you always been a fan of the series? Is this uh, is it new to you with the third one? Uh, what's your history with it? Um, yeah, when Demon Souls came out, and there was that sort of very latent scuttlebutt about the Japanese version, I imported the Hong Kong or the Asian version that had English subtitles, um, and like really beat my head against it, uh, and mm -hmm. was like. Kind of like, well, I like this. I feel like it might be way too hard. And that sort of continued into, like, I, you know, even going through Demon Souls and then a few years later, Dark Souls 1. It was like a good part of the way through Dark Souls 1 that I was like, 
Oh, I think this is maybe my favorite game that's ever been made. <laughs> um, like, cause I like, and this, this seems so foolish now, but this is sort of my pattern with things. Like I'll get into this and I'll be like, this is the hardest thing anybody has ever made. Like, <laughs> this is so unfair. Like I, and I'm talking here about the tourist demon. Like I maybe died five or six times on the tourist demon. I was like, this game's total BS. I can't, I hate it. Uh, and then, you know, now looking back on that, I'm like, oh, you can kill him with two hits. Like, <laughs> uh, so it was like maybe a third of the way through there when you start getting into stuff like, um, like the depths and, uh, the dark root basin where I was sort of like, oh, I, I really, I really like this game. Yeah. Um, and they have become, like I said, it's, it's pretty much my favorite series of all times, a sort of holistic souls world, um, and I, it's a, it's a game that is, is especially important to me because I play like the majority of my games co-op with my wife. Hmm. So for a really long time, I was like, we really have to like get another copy of Dark Souls <laughs> and find a way to play this together. Um, and she was like, oh, you know, I've played, I played like some of Demon Souls. I didn't like it very much. And I was like, I, I just think. I think you should push through it. And, you know, eventually we got to this point, and Dark Souls co-op was so arcane, which is kind of one of my favorite things about video games, even as they're frustrating, is this like inherent source of mysticism that modern games have sort of really lost. Um, and so like the sort of the ritual quality of just like Googling things, like reading stuff on GameFAQs, being like, all right, if you want to play with another person, here's what you have to do. Like you put down your summoning sign, then in their world, they put down their summoning sign, but immediately remove it. And like sort of yeah, stuff like that, yeah. because there, yeah. there was no, there were no passwords. And the problem with Dark Souls, I think, is that it was all peer to peer, because yeah. this is not an issue in Demon Souls. Uh, so like sort of going through that ritual, which could take like 45 minutes to like eventually <laughs> link up with the person you were actually trying to co-op with. Uh, but but the, the returns on that were so large. And, and as such, like I think me and my wife have probably played like between the fact that every co-op Dark Souls playthrough is two playthroughs. Like we've probably played Dark Souls eight or ten times, mm. like demon souls four times like when we've played these are i think i can speak for her and say that they're <laughs> some of her favorite games too uh, and it's there just i just don't feel like there are there are barely any experiences like a souls game which would easily lead into my review where i feel like for the past couple years i've sort of been returning to this point of like even a not very good Souls game is going to be like one of the best games that came out this year, <laughs> at least at the pattern they're running now. Yeah, that's, that's it's kind of been um, like a running theme for the season, too, where it's like it's been hard to for me uh, personally to express the the balancing act of being like, this is very good, but I also hold the series to exceedingly high standards. Yeah, yeah. there's a very obvious you know? and oftentimes not stated double standard that we're, yeah. that we're, that we're kind of working with here. <laughs> it, it goes really double for the DLC too, which like, you know, I've, I've been, I've talked about it on Twitter and on our Slack and stuff and on our Facebook page about this specific DLC we're going to talk about today is that like, I don't like it that much. And it doesn't mean that it's like a slog to play. Like, it's not like a bad game. It's just like prior to this, I felt like from software had like the like hands down made the best DLC in games. Like oh, I there are a lot of agree. like there, there are <laughs> lots of DLCs I like. Like I'm a DLC guy. I don't I don't resent them. I think it, you know more of the thing I like is usually good. Um, 
but every one of them was a, a far and above like the, you know, the old hunters was like, so like they would make the original experience better, you know, in a way that like I hadn't really seen before. And then for this one, just to not do that, uh, for me was just like so disappointing. So there's an element of that, uh, involved in, in my reaction to this. And, yeah. uh, I, I would say that I am not a DLC guy. And I mm. also think that the souls games have among the best DLC ever. Uh, I feel like uh, DLC, I, I just feel like you can always see the edges. Uh, like yeah. there's just so many scenes of like, oh, this is a thing you couldn't finish. But <laughs> now we live in this connected world where you can and you can slap a $10 price tag on it. And it's like not even that good. And that's how I felt even about like a lot of the Mass Effect 2 DLC, which everybody loves. Like and I liked some of them, but others I was like, eh, this feels a little feature light. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I feel like there are probably less than 10 DLCs in the world that I would say are, are absolutely essential and mm. like, aside from Souls, I don't like the Dishonored DLC I thought was like amazing. Yeah, that's very good. It's yeah. tough yeah. for me to think of things where I was like, oh, this was worth sort of suffering the three to six month rift of like completely removing this game from my mind <laughs> and like coming back to it and rehabituating to its systems and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, regardless of whether... I mean, I, I play games in a weird way where I have infinite games to play and not enough time. So mm -hmm. a weight like that usually benefits me. Like I, yeah. I get that that kind of perspective. The thing with, with the way it worked with previous Souls games for me, like I never, you know, Artorias of the Abyss came with Dark Souls for me because I, I bought that edition. But the way it worked with Dark Souls 2 and the old Hunters uh, was once I came to kind of expect it of like adding this context because of the way the stories uh, in these games work. That is what like elevated it to me. So even as somebody who does like DLCs, these were on a different level. You know, right. I'm, I'm with you in that. Like it was just like, oh, this is the best of the best. Like this is the best that the the form of DLC, like that medium can do uh, from software doing it at its absolute peak. And then Ashes of Ariandel comes out, which is not that. And I, I think it's very hard for anyone, even people who like this a lot more than I did. It's hard for, I haven't seen a compelling argument that this does the same thing, the same work that the previous ones did, you know, uh, in kind of recontextualizing the base game and in just kind of setting a benchmark for quality. Yeah. It's, it's hard to gauge the intention of what they were trying to do here. And I think that's, that's incredibly important when we start looking at these things. Like I kind of want to know what they were aiming for, because even if, you know, even though that shouldn't completely inform how we come come away from it, I at least want to know what terms I should be judging success or failure on, you know? Yeah. With this, I don't know where it was supposed to fit if it was something that was an, an initial, an, you know, something that was part of the initial game or product or whatever. Um, and so it is just kind of like this this ultimate digression that, again, like Gary said, like you guys have said, doesn't do the heavy lifting. It doesn't have the strength to actually feel like it is additive. Yeah. Beyond just like time and assets. Yeah. Like it, it is another area to explore. Like I got to see some title screens pop up. Yeah. And that that feels good. Uh, but other than that, like it wasn't, you know, and, and we'll get into it. So for people who, <laughs> you know, who know this and want to know where we landed on this, um, the consensus on this is pretty negative. But I've def also read some really kind of fervent defenders, too. So this is going to be like a polarizing episode, possibly. Uh, but that's got to be OK, because <laughs> we do. Um, what uh, 
what did we do uh, previously, Cole? Yeah, it's not really related. Like, there's not a yeah. through line. <laughs> Does it matter? Like, <laughs> it does. Yep. Well, this, I mean, the stuff that matters in the main game mm-hmm. uh, is that we know about the Sable Church. Mm-hmm. Um, we know there are three sisters. And we know that Pontiff Sullivan had to be born somewhere. Yeah. Uh, he's he's presumably was not like, you know, he, created from the ether. He didn't just come with the house. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like a like a phone book <laughs> yeah. or, you know, a tide sample or something. Yeah. Um, um, but it, what we did last time is unrelated to this entirely. Right. We we, we covered our dragon peak, but just look, look in your RSS reader. Um, the other detail, uh, thank you for mentioning the Sable Church. Uh, you know, man, the lore is so disconnected that it's, it's kind of... It, we just need to tell the story by talking about it. But mm. what people need to know is that in Dark Souls 1, where there was this amazing level called Painted World of Ariamis, um, this kind of prison dimension. Oh, I, lo- I love that idea so much. Um, where these inconvenient people, weapons, magic, uh, and information were kind of trapped uh, and exiled, right? It was this gentle world, ostensibly, uh, that uh, you kind of accidentally fell into. Um, and in the intervening years, these paintings haven't really gone away or that art hasn't gone away. Um, maybe that painting itself hasn't gone away. Um, and we're yeah. about to, you know, kind of like get, get reacquainted with that. Yes, it's been it's been painted over. Yeah. So we're we're going to to see a painting that it's a thing and kind of right off the bat, like as a thing that clings on me that I haven't seen elsewhere. That's kind of frustrating. So like the Painted World of Ariamis is my favorite Dark Souls level of all time like far and above uh that that's my favorite stage and that eldritch prison for things that should not be is a very different idea than what's presented here um and that discontinuity is not something that i've seen kind of like lore series even like lore lore people who i respect a lot uh recognizing where there is a difference between a prison you know because the original painted world of uh ariamis like there were cages and stuff there were there was there were signs of this being a place where things were put is very different than this kind of eldritch area that attracts things that are sad. And the painted world of Ariandel, it attracts the forlorn. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of this as a magical place is that things that are have experienced great loss uh, are sucked into this. Yeah, That's out of nowhere. <laughs> like that is not, you know, and when I am reading, uh, when I've read lore things or watched lore things that tie this into the painted world of, of uh, Ariamis, they always say like, you know, painted world of Ariamis, a place for the forlorn. Like, no, that's, that's mm. explicitly not what it was. <laughs> uh, and one of those ideas is much cooler to me than like a place that kind of magically attracts things with, you know, that's lost its purpose. Yeah. You know, cause it, cause there's agency, like imprisoning something tells a more complete story than a magical thing that just attracts unrelated sad things. <laughs> You know, like there, there's a there's a there's motivations involved and there's no motivation here. Like it is just a property of the place. Yeah. This, uh, it, like this is just the island of misfit boys. Like all it does <laughs> is like people who've lost their homeland, you know, people who they, they just they just kind of magically end up here, you know, just yeah. just, just just through whatever. And even the people, eh, I don't know, we'll, we'll get to that when we talk about it. But it's uh, yeah, which is not a bad concept. It could have just, again, like so many other things, it could have just been something else. Could have been its own thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you what, Did you have anything about, any thoughts about that, Dave? Like when you first kind of got to this or realized what the painting was in Dark Souls 3 versus, well, you know, what paintings are. I mean, so I don't know. I never know how hard to go at this point because I don't, 
I have to work hard to resist the instinct of like, well, this is what it should have been. I sort of <laughs> try to erase that from my brain, but it has frustrated me for like the past 10 years, or I mean, I guess it's six years, whenever Dark Souls 1 came out, that the painted world is just some like snowy castle. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you know, at the time, like I had sort of, I'd read the area name, so I maybe fell victim to my own hype, but I was sort of expecting something more than like, well, this soul's area, this could have existed anywhere. Like, yeah. and, and it, it is all, and I, I like the level. Like, I think it's one of the um, sort of best, most intricate levels that the original souls has. Uh, and I like Priscilla, like a lot of, I like a lot of thematic things about it, but it's always kind of felt to me, it was like almost like proto DLC. It's mm -hmm. like, and, and sort of, so, so the story goes, I don't know how true this is, but that it was like kind of a prototype level or like a proof of concept that they made. And they were like, well, we did all this work on it. Let's stick it in the game somehow, but we can't link it up to an area for X, Y, Z reasons. So let's uh, coordinate it off in its own zone. And then we'll make up this uh, painted lore or painted world mythos to go along with it, which I think is fine. Except that, like, you go in there and it's it's this castle with like zombies in it, and then you talk to Priscilla and she's like, "This world is peaceful. It's in heaven. It's kind. It's like, oh yeah, like all <laughs> the super like pustule toxin zombies that were spitting flames at me, and then they explode, <laughs> and then I die in two seconds because I got toxic and poison on me at the same time." Mm. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I found that frustrating, but it was it was always just something you know you, you sort of bring up as a as a joke, but doesn't feel yeah. like a lasting impact but to see that process repeated i was like come on guys like, <laughs> the, the way you're describing that reminds me of like a thing that's always frustrated me about the matrix sequels is that there's like a, a moment that i'll always remember in movies where like you get to you're watching the second matrix movie and you run to the merovingian and he's like <laughs> he's like, that's right and he's, and he's, <laughs> he's <fucking> like nerd. <laughs> <laughs> okay tell me more about the dragon ball characters you know about. Yep. Um, no i'm just but, a different tap yeah. man <laughs> it, it, it is uh it is nerdy but he's he's saying like you know all those things that you thought you believed in vampires werewolves aliens they were all glitches in the matrix and you're like oh shit this is the guy that understands this i'm gonna finally watch neo fight something that's not a kung fu guy because yeah. this guy controls like vampires and shit like whoa this <laughs> this just got lit and then instead though he just summons a bunch of kung fu guys and yeah. it's like well fuck you know but they're and like I, albinos with white dreads so they're ghosts yeah. man <laughs> yeah, the, yeah that's not that's not cool there's no legend of that um that's not a glitch in the matrix that's a glitch at hot topic with like you know a glitch in the tanning booth like that's not the you know and so the the idea that you know i, I understand what you mean where it's like it's supposed to be this kind of world of imagination uh but it did end up just being kind of an area the way that it worked for me though were those ties back to the main game you know like it was kind of like it the original world of paint uh painted world of Ariamis was an optional area that actually did what an optional area should do, which is not be necessary to understanding the main plot, but enrich your understanding of the main plot. Mm -hmm. So like kind of filling these holes with like, Oh, now we know uh, what Velka is. And like Velka is a, uh, you know, a big part of like my, my personal interpretation of the cosmology of dark souls one, you know, that is what, that what makes the most sense for me as an instigating factor. Like that got you out of this, you know, the crow that takes you out of the asylum, like, oh, mm. the gods were scared of Velka because so they put her worshippers and kind of the her her iconography in this prison, you know, but she's able to operate outside of that. Like it just kind of made like a sense like it, you know, some of it may have been headcanon, 
Uh, but it, it added to it, even though it wasn't necessary. Whereas everything here feels like a non sequitur. Like it's all new stuff that tells a complete and fine enough on its own story. Uh, that however, how it reflects on the main game is not enriching at all. Like, I don't need to know where Pontiff Sullivan was born. Like, it doesn't help. That's what I was going to say when you guys were talking about that. First off, I had forgotten that that was in there because it's Mm -hmm. in, like, an item description. It may be in, like, a spell description. Yeah, it's in two spells. I mean, that's uh, fine. All the cryomancy you get relates to Sullivan. But I I immediately contrasted that with, like, you know, I about flipped my shit when, like, uh, Chester in the Dark Souls DLC is like, you know, these guys— the serpent came round and I was like, yeah, that's, I mean, it might be Framp, it might be Kath, it might be somebody else, but like, <laughs> that's something I know about. And you're only, you're, you're telling me in this way where, you know, I know, and I know, you know, and you're being like a little yeah. coy, but not, you're not actually being coy at all. And that's very exciting to me. It, uh, it, and, it, and there's nothing like that in, in Ashes of Ariandel for me. It fills in fragments of Sullivan's story, like the, the, those, those spells that we see and we should, we should probably just stand out, right? This is where Sullivan was born. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about the characters he may have been born to when we get to them, but <clears throat> this is where he was born. So it fills in that, that fragment of his story. The problem is like that is not a hole that was noticeable, apparent, or, you know, glaring when we were actually playing the game. Sullivan had a pretty filled out story because the entire part of his life that kind of matters was on display. Right. Yeah. And the part of it that could have been the the prequel stuff to that that would have been useful, which is like so the the question mark is how much uh what is his connection to Lothric? You know, like what uh, is he was he originally somebody who was part of that kingdom and stuff? And there's there's theories to that. It seems likely we don't know. This could have answered that question. But it goes before that to give like where he was born, which is just not uh, that useful to a to a biography. You know, like where somebody is raised or what they came from is much more useful. So it feels like trivia, you know, and like knowing about this third sister Again, like there's no spoilers. Everybody who's at this point mm-hmm. has presumably played the DLC or doesn't care. We learn about this third sister of the Church of Londor. It doesn't reflect on the Church of Londor, though, that's still a player in the, the main game. Right. You know, like this, what we know about Elfride does not help us understand the Lord of Hollows business from the main game. No, she explicitly has cut all ties from it. So it, it, it is, it's trivia. Like we learn a lot of trivia about about the world of Dark Souls 3, which is like not terrible, but I, I just expect more from this. Like every other like every other DLC has done more than that. So it's just it's just frustrating. And we're gonna we're gonna actually go through it. This has been a long preamble for this, but it is it's a meaningful episode or a meaningful uh, thing to look at because it's the first DLC of Dark Souls 3. And we spent all year being like the DLC is <laughs> gonna wrap this up. And like to just have it not do any of that stuff is powerfully disappointing. And it still could. I, that's that. I feel <laughs> it's, like it's not possible no, to have, criticize something if there's more of it on the way. I have no faith. <laughs> like I have zero faith that they will that they will fix it because what this told what this signaled to me is that and this is something they've said too. And maybe I thought they were being coy or maybe I was being willfully ignorant. Is that they think the story of Dark Souls Three is complete as is. Mm. Uh, that you know that's that there's there are like interview lines to that effect. I'll see if I can try to find them for for the uh, for the show notes. But there's things to that effect, like no, Dark Souls three is done, and this signals like no, they really think Dark Souls three is done. I really don't, <laughs> and that uh, that dichotomy or that conflict 
is, uh, hurts my heart, you know? Um, so that's, that's where a lot of the, the kind of bile, uh, from this is going to come from and, you know, being super pissed at the bosses. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get there as well. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you, you brought up headcanon and, and just super briefly, I mean, this is the thing is like, to me, this DLC feels kind of just like a microcosm of what felt kind of wrong about Dark Souls 3 to me in the first place. And it's this idea that like the game almost feels like fan fiction. Um, and most of Dark Souls 3 feels kind of like these uh, this extrapolation or iteration on ideals to the point of error and way past mm. it. Uh, and, and I don't, you know, I don't mind the sort of creators giving themselves their their bon mots or whatever. Like, like they deserve a pat on the back and they deserve to pat themselves on the back. But going through this thing and just feeling like you're being winked at like every two seconds is so exhausting. Um, and I like I like the shield reference in Bloodborne, for example. Like mm -hmm. I'm not immune to this stuff, but to feel like the entire game is comprised of it, and then to feel like the DLC for the game is this like in a lot of ways like one to one transposition uh, of what we sort of understood a painted world to be. It's like oh we're in the snow level again, and like I love snow levels. Like that's mm -hmm. my favorite kind of level, uh, but. It was like, here's another wolf guarding a grave. Like, it just <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. It's just like, guys, come on. Like, I know you have better ideas than this. Like, or, <laughs> or rather, why are you so committed to being like, well, it almost feels like this thing where like the concept, it, it, it's acting like this, the concept is a sort of word of God or like, you know, provided to you from on high thing that you can't moderate or like there can be no interpretation outside of like, you know, this is a game about cycles. So, you know, <laughs> here's the literal next cycle where everything is pretty much the same. And even some of the characters are the same. Yeah. Yeah. That idea of like, you know, that, that bereftness of new ideas is something that I feel throughout this whole, th this whole DLC, you know, that's, that's something that I feel really acutely here. Um, and that's going to play into, uh, like I said, a little bit later with some boss stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so, all, all of this is to say, like, we, we've we made it very clear kind of like what our broad feeling of this is. If hearing people criticize Dark Souls 3 brings you any physical or psychological distress or will making or will make your, your day worse, under, understand what this is going to be. We're going to build the case, <laughs> but like, I, I don't know, at, at this point, you should kind of know what you're in for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's uh, that's the thing. So you know what you're in for. This is this is us. We're not going to lie, but this is also, uh, you know, you, you have been warned. So and it's also it's not going to be like an AVGN style. <laughs> like it's the bad yeah. boys of gamers ramping it up. It's not a takedown, you know, it's. Yeah, uh, I, I swear I have well-reasoned uh, kind of reasons to have these opinions. It doesn't mean you have to agree, though, as well. So it's like when I say that the, the final boss of this is excessive, uh, if you had a lot of fun with it, I can't take that away from you. And I wouldn't mm -hmm. if I could. It's just this is why I found it unfun because of blank. Right. So um, the way we get here, let's talk about how we get here. Uh, this is one of the more direct ways that we've gotten to a DLC uh, in this, in that a uh, NPC, uh, Slave Knight Gale, is uh, is found in the cathedral, the cleansing chapel of the Cathedral of the Deep. And uh, he, you know, talks to us. He talks about how uh, he fire. He's looking for a second ash um, he, to to bring fire to Ariandel. Um, and he holds out a scrap of paper. 
Um, he's like, you, you would be the second ash to come here. Uh, my lady lives in a cold land of Ariandel. I need you to show her flame, um, <laughs> that will burn the rot away. Um, and since you are ash, you seek fire. This is going to be your thing. Do you mm-hmm. click a and get sucked into the painting? <laughs> Very violently sucked into the painting too. I don't remember it being that, uh, that Ghostbusters E, um, <laughs> in, uh, in, in, uh, the first one. <laughs> You know, it's like how uh, eating a chicken wing and like dragging the bones through your teeth, <laughs> you know, yeah. except for for with a, a Dark Souls character. <laughs> but I love the idea it's... that this might be all that's left of that painting. But that's still like, you know, this this scrap that's, you know, handkerchief size in his pocket is is already the portal or is still. Yeah. the portal. No, it's accompanied by his like Dark Souls laugh. So like, you know, as the screen is fading, you get that like key, 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 key. Yeah. Like, yeah. What's that guy about? He was a bad guy. Oh no. What have I gotten into? And it's like, no, it turns out you can just leave like the bonfires right there. Yeah. You just leave anytime. Yeah, I, it, it, it's, it's literally no problem. It's so weird because the characters draw attention to that in this, uh, this DLC yeah. in a way they haven't before. Um, mm-hmm. like the fact that his motivations are possibly suspect in this are confusing because this similar to kind of, a, you know, the, the main game there's going to be some cosmology stuff that we don't really get an answer for. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual character that we are going to show flame to, there are guesses about her and her motivations. I have not read anything conclusive or even like intensely convincing, you know, as to, uh, you know, so Gail's, you know, purpose of doing this, we learn about these kind of two different schools of thought on what to do with the painted world. Um, we don't get the context for which one of those is the correct one. You know, and this laugh is a weird thing. The fact mm-hmm. that he kind of gives this sinister laugh when everything, if I just played through the level, I would think that what I was doing is actually a morally correct action right? Uh, here. So that, that kind of confuses things. And maybe there'll be more of that in DLC too. Yep. Um, um, and uh, also his orgiastic groaning when um <laughs> sure. when when you accept like he loses yeah. himself and he even like apologizes like oh I'm, I'm sorry but like he's full-on like flooding the basement there i think it's real yeah. um it's it's a little much and you know you get the sense okay so he's a slave knight we know the slave knights are these like cannon fodder that were sent out basically to fight wars forever because they could never die um mm-hmm. you know and he is at the end of his rope all of that but yeah it's a it, it, it is definitely kind of this classic dark souls I don't know where this guy stands right now. Kind yeah, of, kind you get of tricked, yeah. you know, into doing something that, again, like feels like a, a good thing to do. Um, <clears throat> so we wake up in a, a frozen field in a cave where there's this kind of beast character who is kind of has these bird like qualities as well. Uh, who's on a bed of rotted fungus. And he says, hey, welcome to the peaceful <laughs> world of. Ariandel, find yourself a pile of shit and go to sleep in it forever. <laughs> yep. Be claimed uh, by the blood moss. Yep. That's a same. Like, let's let's do it. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> but I but I drop into this uh, in, in, into this cave and I think, oh, that's like that's a bloodborne texture, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> there's there, there, there are large parts of this that look a lot like the uh, the the flora and fauna around the uh, the hunter's nightmare, which isn't I'm not accusing them of recycling assets or anything, but it's a very similar idea. This pervasive rot. Mm. Yeah. Um, and we are introduced to kind of the big meaty section of the first kind of part of gameplay here, which is hard to describe in sequence. Right. Uh, because this is something that Dark Souls doesn't do a lot. The series doesn't do a lot is a big, huge open area, um, which is what we're going to deal with here for this first part. So there are individual encounters, there are enemies and everything, but the geography is a little bit tricky 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few like kind of switchbacks up mountains and a couple of landmarks, but a lot of it is just a big endless field. <laughs> um, how do you guys feel about that as kind of a level design thing? And what are some other kind of examples where we've seen something similar to this? Like I can only think of a couple, you know, it's like a little bit like the Royal Woods. Yeah. Um, or the uh, the optional area, the shittiest optional area from the Dark Souls two DLCs. Bread of Sacrifice is a little bit that uh that 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 final part, the uh, Crucifixion yeah. Woods kind of area. Uh, Dave, how about you? Huh? Yeah, you know, I'm sort of thinking about it. My comments were more sort of internal to it. That I, I mean, I like this. I like sort of roving, and I feel the problem is that it doesn't really cure what is like Dark Souls, where it is it has always been Dark Souls thing is like. Just run by everything <laughs> like you can either play the game the way it sort of wants you to play it or like it looks like it wants you to play it, which you do the first couple times of like aggroing only a couple guys at a time and playing fairly cautiously. And then you start your boss runs and you realize like, oh, I can run by everything in this level yeah. and be fine. And like by the time I go to the boss door, they'll just be gone. So I feel like that's even more exacerbated in this like super wide open place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It- Oh, good. I was just going to say, it's something that I have kind of mixed feelings about. Like, there are individual encounters here I like a lot. Um, as far as enemies go, I think this is the, the strongest that the DLC will get. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. the actual mix-ups and things that you fight in these areas are are the best of the, the kind of combat here. They it's, it's lower percentage, like, infinite stamina big guys. Like, the followers can be pretty annoying, uh, but they're, for the most part, pretty manageable, like, hollow-type enemies. I really like the wolves. The wolves can be super dumb. Uh, <laughs> like you can stand by a cliff and they will run off the cliff like lemmings, I guess. Uh, but I, as an enemy, it felt very u- unique in that like, oh, this is like something I haven't really experienced. That like they'll kind of behave somewhat like <laughs> real wolves do or wolves do in movies and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, you know, they'll, they'll eye you warily from a distance. And if you get sort of in their grill, they'll, they'll howl and then other wolves will come and they'll do this like circling around you, which like, especially if you <laughs> sort of trains yourself to use the lock on, like mm-hmm. can call, can make things pretty hectic. And then you're all of a sudden, like you're just getting, you, you know, you're getting harassed by the ankles <laughs> from behind and like, and I, I thought the dryads were like another kind of good thing of like, oh, this is like sort of a neat enemy. Uh, it's super chip damagey. Like I found them kind of bothersome to fight because in a lot of areas there's like six or seven of them close enough to like mm-hmm. in aggroing one, you aggro another. And then if you get close enough to that one, you aggro someone else and they're all shooting these like little tiny fireballs at you that don't really do much damage, but like in aggregate just kind of stun lock you to death. Yeah. Um, yeah. so like enemy wise, I think this is absolutely the strongest area and sort of has the most, um, intrinsic relevance to its area to it being like this snowy peak that these wolves hang out on Yeah, is it, sort of, um, it, it's evocative. I don't know. It's like a thematically cool, like you're, I mean, I, look, I think wolves are cool. I maybe think <laughs> wolves are cooler than the average person. And I usually don't want to kill those like cool, cute snow wolves. <laughs> Uh, but like that big one shows up and you're like, Oh, this is pretty scary all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> and he does like, I like a tornado, like a psycho crusher at you. I've seen your shirts. I know you'd think yeah. wolves are cool. So <laughs> yeah. The, uh... <laughs> um, I, I think that the, the, like this area, you know, so of these big wide open areas, the, the accompanying enemies I feel are best designed to take advantage of that. And I like the uh, the the comparison and contrasting between these followers of Farron again, these wolf knights, right? 
you know, Farron, mm-hmm. they allied themselves. They, you know, they, they, they followed in Artorias's footsteps and they ended up here with the wolves. They kind of act similarly. Like they will both move to surround, you know, they, yeah. they, like they, they both kind of hunt in packs and you very rarely, I, I can't remember if you actually fight them, if you fight mixed up groups of them, it's just kind of like the, the followers up here and the wolves down here. Well, um, you, good. You, you can, mm-hmm. so you can, you can set up that set. And even within the followers, there are mix ups. Mm-hmm. So the followers have different uh, kind of units things. I think the the followers are actually one of the more successful enemies in Dark Souls Three. Yeah, um, because they they are, it's it's the exact opposite of what they have done uh, with the Smashilons that come later, um, in that their difficulty is all tactics. Right. Like it's all like configurations. It's all because um, none of them you know take they take a couple shots to to kill. You know they're not beefy. They're smart. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, these guys are going to hold a shield to protect this guy who's throwing spears at you while this guy tries to get to your flank and breathe fire on you. Yeah. They'll... You know, they're, they're doing tactics and the wolves do that too. And that's great. <laughs> like, that's so good. That's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm missing from like, you know, in the earlier games when they maybe didn't have the, the kind of AI capabilities to do that, they would, uh, accomplish similar things by arrangements. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd be like little chess puzzles where like this guy is off to the side, he's going to see you and automatically aggro. Everyone's just going to kind of go for you. Uh, but they're arranged in a way to kind of create these tactically interesting situations. Um, and these are, this is an enemy that is like really well suited to that. Uh, both of them are the wolves as well, because the wolves, it becomes this kind of race against the clock to kill them before they summon more, um, you know, or like, Hey, do I risk running here and having them at my back because they're not being aggressive right now? You know, there, there's a lot of really tactically interesting things that happen with these two enemies. And it, I think they're really, really strong. Like lest this entire episode be like a big pile of rot like poison like this is, you know these things are great yeah the um, uh when i noticed how the wolves were behaving in this mm-hmm. i mean we, we fought plenty of dog type enemies in 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 these games when i noticed what they were doing that they were you know kind of using the lack of visibility against me that they were keeping a distance and circling to surround or flank and that they were calling more of them like that was a but my jaw dropped like that was a mm-hmm. legit moment of oh shit like yeah but, like that is something brand new that the series has done I loved it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it also like sort of creates this, gr- these great frantic moments of like uh, trying to bust ass and just basically to get up in their grill, like the, of the medium sized wolves and just stun lock them before they can summon the other ones. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. being like, well, I, I, this is my 10th time through this area. Like I don't want to clear every wolf one by one. If I can just sort of skirt all the wolves, except this last one mm-hmm. at the area I'm trying to get to, I'll be fine, but I I don't want to cause this chain reaction <laughs> of like waking up every other wolf. Yeah, and I do really agree that like the the followers were a a good wake up for me not having played this game or probably much of any other Souls game in like the past six months of just like oh yeah like I need like I'm getting really irritated because they're just. I'm bouncing off their shield all the time. Oh, right. Remember in this game, you have to like two hand your sword. So that doesn't happen. Sort of stuff like that. Just like receiving this crash course. And like, remember how you have to play a souls game. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like you had to switch things up. You had to be smart, which like, that's what I want out of, out of one of these games is like demand my, you know, something for my intelligence, mm-hmm. you know, make me adapt, you know? Yep. Um, the, uh, so the wolves are great. The fair lights, as we mentioned, they are, these are, this is the, the rear guard of, uh, of Farron's army, uh, who got set here. And it makes sense, you know, that this place attracts, uh, uh, people, you know, who are sadsies <laughs> and, uh, it makes sense. You know, they have been abandoned. Like their, their main keep, you know, the, the, the watchdogs have fallen to the abyss. 
Um, several other people are dead. There are all those gravestones outside of Farron's Keep. Like these guys don't have a purpose. Right. And that is what sent them here. Yeah. So like they, you know, were out there hunting these people who were abyss touched, you know, these people who yes. were affected by the pus of man. Um, and boy, oh boy, I, give me a game set. Is that like, make me a, make me an abyss touch hunter. Um, <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. Um, be a good D and D character class, like a prestige kit. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they just kind of went hollow when they were on this. And again, because, because they had no place to settle when the world is upended, they ended up here. Yeah. The, the wolves all belong to Balto's tribe. Oh yeah. And when Bal- Balto got killed at the end of Balto, <laughs> uh, they, they got super sad and got sucked into the painting. Again, with the Don Balto? <laughs> I don't know. I can't actually know what happens in Balto. That's the only wolf I could think of. And he might not be a wolf. He might be a husky. I think he's a husky. Um, <laughs> I think he's a sled dog. Well, shit. <laughs> there are enough famous wolves. I guess White Fang uh, is the most famous of wolves. When it comes out, this is like a drill tweet. Like, I guess White Fang is the most famous of wolves. <laughs> the, oh, now um, we're going to get the wolf fans on us. Uh, the... Um, but so, so the, the wolves, I'm not exactly sure what they were here other unless they were like Farron's literal dogs. Because uh, the weird thing is, so we we go through, there is a uh, little trap where you fall through an ice shelf uh, thing, which is like the thing I'm most scared of that could actually happen. Uh, <laughs> like that from in goals. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, oh man, this, this might happen. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, we can see from this point, I think you can go and look at the ledge and see the giant wolf. Um, there's still the the tree people. There's the huge forest of the tree people. But that giant wolf, we should uh, we should talk about him because you, him or her because you can trigger hmm. trigger that giant wolf uh, not right when you fall down, but not too far after it. Because I definitely fought the giant wolf down at the end of that kind of run. If you hug the uh, the cliff wall, yeah, there. I th- I think um, if, if if the giant wolf came into play, I was already I was already out of the scene. Okay. Yeah, I'm not really sure how that relates because I was sort of like in the very early stages of the DLC when I fought that thing. I mean, it's the same wolf, right? But it's but it's a lot yes. smaller. So is it? It's it's a yeah. I don't I don't know. When you say the same wolf, do you mean the same wolf as the boss wolf or the same wolf yeah. as the regular wolves? Yeah, um, I think it is. It's got a very similar it's bigger moveset. and it's brown. Yeah, and it kind of does the same things, but it's not as big as that boss is. So, but it, it just seems to stop showing up and like, you know, I kind of did the usual souls thing of like, oh, I got killed going this direction a couple of times. I'm going to go this direction. So by the time I got back there, like I had already killed the boss and then there was no more wolf anymore. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I fought it once. I remember like you, you sort of, you panic a lot because it's a pretty scary, like kind of mid boss enemy uh, when you've just been dealing with these wolves that are like fun to fight, but more or less trash. Like they die in one or two hits. Um mm-hmm. So like, and it is very fast and aggressive and has a lot of health. So it is scary and you're, you're flailing around for a while, but you get it down to like a quarter of a third of its health and it just pieces out. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it teleports away um, and gives you, gives you three large shards, which made me think like, what level am I supposed to be at this? Yeah. This to be DLC going here. is so cheap. It's so <laughs> yeah. stingy. Well, you get, you get I, a I really bunch of slabs. You get like no is, chunks. It's yeah, so weird. That, I mean, that's like, I played it because all uh, I have like my, co-op save with my wife and then like my sort of uh post-game save and that's all the times i've played the game so i played it on my co-op save because that felt like it would probably be more level appropriate and i found it like pretty hard uh both in co-op and solo i was like i do not feel like i'm killing these guys too quickly and then to have like 
almost every enemy in the expansion dropped Titanite shards, <laughs> not yeah. even large ones. I was just like, what are you doing to me? And I had like two chunks from the main game because that's where I was. So I was, I was very frustrated by mm. that. But I always, I feel like that, the, the, isn't that the case? I feel, I mean, I guess Bloodborne was really good with the chunks in the DLC, but I feel like the, the upgrade economy in the DLC isn't always the greatest. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard for me to recall. I know that the DS2 ones tended to give you um, a lot of the rewards were kind of jump starts on weapons. Mm. So it'd be like, hey, if you hadn't had a longbow uh, up until this point, here's a plus eight longbow. longbow. You know, like here's a, here's a weapon that's far along the path already in case you want to switch builds. Um, but that, I mean, in this one, the you know, the fact that you can fight the boss of the area early and get three three large shards is just like, do you know what's at the end of this DLC? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight this thing with like a plus, you know, five weapon. You know, this is it's like the the you know the hardest like thing you've done. Like this is so you know so di- difficult. Um, it's just very weird. And then the fact that you do this is the largest concentration of sh- slabs. Like you can get three Titanite slabs here. Yeah. Um, it just it it's you know that it's a weird thing. I I think we talked about it before, but like the idea and all souls games do this. This is not me picking on dark souls three, but that, uh, they're so stingy with upgrade material, that third level upgrade material that they tend to be in optional areas near the end. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, or not necessarily optional, but kind of like side areas near the end, um, is a little bit troublesome for like, you know, it's like, it's based on new game plus, right? Like it's based on the idea that you'll get your final strong weapon at the end of the game. So you can go through, you can never get kind of settled and get your main weapon, maxed out with enough game left to make it meaningful really yeah i mean you know? that's it's it's also a complaint that i've always had with souls game and it's to the point in some of the games where it's like well i hope you're psychic like because <laughs> yeah. you better really figure out what you want to play with and like i talk about that like i i've upgraded like i used whatever titanite shards and souls i had on this character to upgrade like two or three weapons into the plus six range during this dlc and both times I came away just like, nah, like I, I, I to a couple of the new weapons, I was like, not really feeling these. Uh, that was kind of a waste of resources, but like, whatever, you know, use them or lose them. But comparing that, I mean, Souls games just make it too hard to be like, well, I want to switch midstream, like, especially mm-hmm. for DLC, like you feel like it should almost just be given to you because like, otherwise, like, don't they want you to use this stuff? They made it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like the only game that's done that really well for me is Bloodborne. Like Bloodborne, every time I got one of those weapons, I was like, this is my new favorite weapon. Or at least like I really want to play the game with this weapon. Yeah. Um, and then this it was more sort of like a cursory, like you find that javelin in this area that you can throw as a weapon art. And I was like, that is awesome. Like I love the 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 thing I like is when weapons have like weird things like that. And so I was really excited to use it. And I used that. I was like, this is kind of fun, but like kind of as expected, it's not a bow and it's not melee. So like anything between those two points is just going to be this jack of all trades thing that isn't actually very good. So it, I, I, I just find it really disappointing. It's like, why are you putting this kind of arbitrary barrier in my way? Like of like, oh, here's all these fun new weapons to use. Like, I hope you want to go grind uh, Dragon, Dragon Peak, Dragon Dra- Mount Dragon pa- Peak Airy, like for, yeah. go get some chunks if you want to actually <laughs> use them, nerd. I like <laughs> <laughs> Mount Dragon Peak Airy. That's, that's where the next game. 
they just <laughs> smash everything. Yeah, I, I it's even in in Bloodborne that became a thing for me where like, um, you know, I wanted some of those later weapons because you just get used to something. Yeah, you know, mm. and it's you're 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 invested in materials and then also in time. So like, getting I mean, it, and Bloodborne was better about it I think than the other ones. Like I would agree there where like. Uh, you know, I got the whirly gig and I'm like, I'm going to use this thing. Yeah, I'm going to make this work because this is badass. Um, but there is like an element of like, I feel like Bloodborne specifically, I think I've floated this idea before on the podcast, should have just had all the weapons available from the start and the little demo area where you could try them. Mm. You know, like rather than making, I mean, that game had a problem with finding rewards anyway, but since you're supposed to be gaining like a relationship with your weapon and like getting, knowing it 100%, it would have been very useful to have some of the, like, I want to be able to play through the whole game with the bow. Considering you, you know? are in a hunter's workshop where yeah. things obviously like, would be things. made and prepared. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I like, the, I feel like there's some part of me likes it because I am like, this is something video games do not have nowadays by and large, uh, especially mm. games on sort of this <laughs> monetary level. This sort of games with this sort of budget do not have things where it's like, you know what? Not everything in the world is going to be super convenient to you. And what that sort of mm. breeds is like when we made new characters to play through the Bloodborne DLC, like me and my wife figured out a way to kill that, uh, the dude who has the bow, mm -hmm. <laughs> like at super low level. And that can be really satisfying in itself. Uh, but that's sort of like, it's this push and pull between like this sort of extended like replay value thing of like, oh, how can I kind of speed run this or like find, you know, new ways to give myself submissions to make the game fun again versus like you put this bow in my face, man, and I want to use it. But like I'm here to play the DLC, not to like spend 45 minutes or two hours like grinding chunks. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I felt about almost every weapon in this thing. Like, and I went out of my way to use them because I was reviewing the game and I was like, well, I should at least kind of try. Mm -hmm. And I'm a dex build anyway. And so most of these things seem like they're kind of catered to decks. Uh, and I was just like, I came away being like, that was a waste of time. Like getting this up to plus six, I'm just going back to my bastard sword <laughs> and I'm going to keep using that. <laughs> and like that is, yeah, it's been something that disappoints me souls wide. It's like, you pick up something that just looks amazing and you're like, well, but I still have this plus seven long sword. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard to get out of the the kind of habits. Like I actually think that the, the new weapons in the DLC are one of the pluses, like big pluses for this. I think they're pretty neat. I just would rather have been able to play with them at a time I could go acquire them. Like the idea of taking a low level character in here and, and picking up like the quills is sounds like a little bit more hassle than I really want to do. Mm -hmm. um, I like that it's available though. Like this is, uh, you know, it's not quite, Dark Souls one level of like non-linearity, but you could go and make a, a run for it. Yeah. Um, it's probably easier to get to this place, like get to that cathedral than it is to beat Amelia early on to go grab one of the, those weapons. So like this actually has a little bit of that non-linearity that I want. Mm -hmm. They're cool weapons. I just, at the time I got to them with my character that was ready for the end game, which felt appropriately leveled for the bosses and stuff like going here, lower level would have been a challenge mode thing. Um, yeah, yeah they, I think uh, I was maybe in the eighties when I was, yeah, here. I was, I was, I was late 80s. Uh, I, I find it very hard to gauge Souls games now because it felt like uh, it feels like the um, I know there's like inflation. Yeah, there, there's so a, especially it, inflation in two and a little bit in Bloodborne. But I think yeah, like, I feel like you ended two at like 120. Yeah. Or like somewhere in that above 100. I was like, whoa, I was like 60 at the end of Dark Souls <laughs> one. Uh, but 
it's just like a lot of those things. I, I was too deep in the game and too concerned with going forward to be like these. The quills are the ones where you throw the the like little stilettos. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I was like, this weapon is so cool. Like, this is yeah. the weapon I want to use. And then I like took it back and I upgraded it. And I think I made it sharp. I think it's one of those weapons. Like I made it the best it could possibly be for my get build. And then I go in and I'm like, all right, time to throw some quills. And I like throw it at one of the dudes. It's like 12 yeah. damage. And I was yeah, like, they, well, those quills are so bad. <laughs> back to the bastard sword. And you yeah. read the item description. And it's like illusionary, like illusory, temporarily given substance. Like it's a, the quills are just make believe, man. I guess it's astonishing <laughs> yeah. that they're doing 12 damage at all. <laughs> you hurt their feelings enough to do a little bit of damage, but that's that's it. I was super disappointed in the, the quills when I actually got them. Like, these things wreck me. <laughs> like, every yeah, time I, I get hit with these things, it sucks so bad, and I can't use them on anyone else uh, to, to good effect. Uh, Trigate, so the other big enemy we fight here, so the, the wolf boss, like, did either of you guys fight it at this point? Yes. Um, when it was here? Okay. <laughs> uh, no, so, no, yeah, I and it runs away, and I don't think I ever saw it again. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, he shows up in the optional boss fight. Uh, if he runs, right, yeah, yeah. even if you beat but, him here, which is, that's a bummer. Like I would have liked to have like, it been a thing where you could fight him here and it actually has an effect on a later thing. Um, but it, it doesn't, it's just, if you want those large shards, um, it's, it's, the, uh, ki it's killing me, Gary, tell them large, mar or, large, 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 shards yeah, large shards. Sent you. There we go. Yeah. Large. Sir. I was hoping for, I was sending you up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, and, but the wolf fight is nothing special. It's the same thing as every like big wolf fight we've had more or less. Like he has a charge. He has like a, angry growl at his side kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's nothing special. Uh, he's not that interesting. The tree things which we run into, I think I'm with you, uh, David, in that like, or Dave, in that the uh, density is kind of annoying. Like, I love the way these things look. Mm -hmm. um, they're really creepy. And I was, when I first saw them, I was trying to find ties like, oh, okay. I've seen people in similar poses to this, to this in Lothric. They're oh, turning yeah, into they trees. kind of like oh, the things yeah, that you... Yeah. Yeah, Presumed and so it's like, oh man, <laughs> Again, yeah, like, it's, a, the... it's another thing turning into a fucking tree. <laughs> yeah, we 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 literally do not need any other metaphors for fire burning out corruption, and we don't need any other things turning into trees or any other things turning into dragons. But like, I was I was really expecting it. Like, I was like, oh, is this going to actually answer that? Because like, <laughs> I didn't have a very good answer for those things. I think maybe they're the pilgrims, um, but I don't know for sure. Uh, but it, you know, no, they're just they are. Uh, natives to this land um right is that that that's what it is cool like there's I, one item you can get from there's a weird one there's a weird crawly one you run into later oh yeah oh I, yeah i didn't get that um i didn't see a description that had that when i was doing my research doesn't that that doesn't just drop a spell i thought i think i think that drops a sp yeah that drops it you're right that drops a spell that teaches us that it's a uh, where Sant uh pontiff sullivan came from which mm -hmm. makes some people believe that it is pontiff sullivan's mother uh, so there's a lot of like people going out there being like Pontus Sullivan was born from a tree. I don't sure. really understand why. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, buddy. I, um, something, something I really like about these guys is um, they're sort of, they're very mournful. They, they I, mm -hmm. I like how sometimes you'll get those enemies and souls who look like they're kind of just bumming out and like, won't even try that hard to get you. <laughs> uh, and, and when they do their grab move on you, it's sort of like strangely compassionate yeah. and it's got mm -hmm. this kind of like, uh, like, um, Virgin Mary, like La Pieta, like laying you down as like, they, like they don't just like grip you up 
and then start barfing the snow vomit in your face like they sort of embrace you and then hold you and they're they're almost like cradling you as they're murdering (laughs) you and i really like i mean outside of like I don't know, like Monster Hunter, like I think Souls is one of the only games that really does like um, substantial things with body language that aren't just like, I'm a Gears of War orc man and I'm like big and I'm going to hit you with my chainsaw. (laughs) (laughs) So like to see that stuff, like it's just like a sort of defiance of expectations, basically, I guess, like here's this big scary monster, but it's also like really sad and it feels for you, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, That dignity thing. We talk about that all the time. Like, yeah, that's a big thing. Um, I, I think that they do that pretty well too. Um, the, the kind of slow moving magic missile, like homing magic missile, I'm a little bit done with. Um, and you get like multiple ones of those, like just filling the sky with them because I don't, other than like, they do magic damage, they do chip damage. So you can't really block them. The only way I know how to deal with them is kind of run away until I can find some kind of cover. Um, cause there's too many to roll through. Like if you roll through the first wave, there's another wave right there. So you're just going to get hit. Um, like these things, I don't think, I think they're kind of cool looking and they're, they're creative enemies and they're kind of like mimics because you think they're just gonna be trees in the distance. Yeah. The first ones that you see are completely non-hostile. They just look yeah. like, huh, that's a, that's a kind of human looking tree, isn't it? Huh. That like that part is pretty rad. I think that they don't actually create interesting gameplay though. Yeah. Um, like I don't think yeah. they're tactically that fascinating. I think they um, do the thing that makes that can make souls games pretty aggressively unfun, which is like, well, the best way to mitigate this is to just completely get up in their face and like slam on them and hope that your stamina bar holds out longer than their life bar does. And then like dodge the next salvo of fire and go to the next one. And you've got this like trail of wolves nipping at your heels. And it's just like not that fun to be like, well, I'm just going to take advantage of the fact that like this game isn't quite prepared to meet you at a level beyond circle strafing every enemy right (laughs) so like i'm just gonna basically brute force it but kind of the opposite of brute force in that you're like i'm gonna take this path of least resistance it's just very hectic or just run past them like i I feel like they also encourage you just kind of like to skip them you know which i I don't want to do i never want to do that in my first run through of an area like i want to explore which means killing everything and uh that becomes mildly frustrating with these guys um past these guys. So this is then kind of like a switchback. Again, it's kind of hard to explain the layout of this, but there's kind of a switchback uh, that leads to this narrower path, uh, pathway where we also start finding these uh, kind of pa- uh, patches of this blood red moss right. and these fly creatures, um, which I think is the rot. Uh, oh, yeah. This is the rot that's taking over the world. Mm. Um, so there's evidence that the flies are not very interesting to fight, but they uh, look creepy mm-hmm. uh, and that's good enough for me and they don't take a thousand hits. So good on them yeah they're like a, a almost like these counterparts to the uh to the centipede um, yeah, yeah 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 so let's take a so again just even within this there are like weird segments let's go take a side path to this <laughs> entire other story that has nothing like the millwood knights right <laughs> uh, like, no is, that's that that's much uh, later you got on, that later it? okay yeah, yeah. um you can go past you can go to the millwood knights now oh uh, when, when i saw for tower me, i thought that's what you meant <laughs> no for me it was after i finished the dlc i had <laughs> okay. no idea that i like i beat the boss and then i had no i i felt I was like well i'm reviewing this maybe i'll just sort of poke around and make sure i didn't miss any items or whatever it, and it, there's sure lo and behold there's a whole another area <laughs> huh is is this a mm, this is embarrassing is it on this side of the bridge yeah Yes. Yeah, you can go you can go to where the wolf is up on the ridge. If you go past that, there is a archer's tower with Millwood and uh these ruins. There's kind of like a cover based stealth section. Oh uh, um oops. 
<laughs> Look, okay. I would uh, not fault anybody for missing it because, like, oh man, people are gonna be like, fucking salty about that bonfire side chat. They don't like this thing. They didn't even play it all. Yeah, so impossible. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, no, no worries. Um, I can, I can speak to it. Like, okay, uh, real quick while we're here. Um, so it is a, uh, you go past this like this wolf area, and you start seeing ruins of like a township essentially. So like stone walls and these gigantic axulons, um, these Millwood knights, these kind of big Viking looking knights, uh, their helmet looks like the same stag that is on, um, what's his head? Not Pete, but, uh, Creighton, Creighton's, uh, shirt like that, that, uh, that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's got that kind of thing. They're not connected though. Um, and they are covered by this archer in a tower. Mm. Um, and it's, I feel like you're not supposed to fight them. Because it is so frustrating to fight them here while they are covered by an archer. Uh, it's like a great bow archer. Mm-hmm. It's not like yeah. a regular archer. Um, and they take a thousand hits, and I hate them uh, as enemies. <laughs> yeah, um, they have unlimited pain. stamina. They're such they're such a pain in the dick. They're not fun for me to fight. Like they just are Estus draining monstrosities, uh, and I hate them. So <laughs> what I did completely emblematic of like Dark Souls three monsters. It's like the, like, like the worst of Dark Souls three monsters. Like yeah. I can. The Smashulons and like, so the thing about the Smashulons we ran into before, uh, is they like, they stop and do a thing. Uh-huh. So they stop and like buff their mace and like, Oh, I can attack now. Uh, these <laughs> things never stop. Um, they just continually run forward towards you with unlimited stamina forever. Uh, the combos are too long. I hate them, but the, and it's the, like also a guessing game, how long the combo is. That's, like, that's so frustrating. And that gets to it's like, it's a two hits this. or three hits. <laughs> there, there's an enemy later that has an 11 hit combo that is like peak terrible combo bloat uh, <laughs> I, it's too bad like i like these guys have that sort of like dust off move that i really like and i don't know i watch a lot of anime real out manga mm-hmm. like they stick their axe into the ground and then they just like whack you with it <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and so i i sort of like them and i like the viking aesthetic but like yeah i played this area by like very gingerly poking one of them with a bow and then kiting them all the way back to the beginning of the area and i was like this is the thing i hate about Playing yeah. Souls games, like, I just, I never want to play this way. Like, I find it the least fun way to play. And, like, especially now, like, now that I've played Bloodborne, you know, it's, like, 50-50 whether I'm going to use a shield at all. Um, right. And so, like, I found this stuff kind of a total pain. And it's, like, y- your stamina bar feels very weak in this game. Like, I feel like after the first Souls, they really nerf stability, so th- which makes shields almost feel pointless anyway. It's, it's Especially against these guys who are just going to keep wailing on you. Um, so like feeling like, well, they can kill me in one and a half hits, say two, if I get lucky. So I can either fight these guys in a way that would be a little more fun, or I can keep my distance, kind of wait till they do the combo. I know I can pressure and then do a backstab on them and I'll get my one hit when they get up from the backstab. And then I'll repeat the cycle like two or three more times and they'll be dead and move on to the next. Yeah. And then, well, they cover like, each other too. So fighting multiple ones of these guys ever is is really yeah, frustrating. Disaster. Yeah, it, it's it's very very tricky. And the thing about them doing so much damage um, is that it's a matter of risk, right? So there's probably somebody listening to this who's just like, you can you can parry them, and like, yes, that may be true, uh, but I don't like. And this again, this is the personal preference thing, but like parrying doesn't work for me as a mechanic when the consequences for learning it are death. Right. Right. So like I have to and this isn't close to a bonfire or anything like that. You have to make a big run through wolf country to get here and the wolves will follow you here. So like 
I do not want to make this run a thousand times to try to learn the parry timing of these guys. Yeah. Like that's not fun to me. Um, so I, I avoided them and there are those structures that are set up so you can kind of can do it. Like they're on patrol here. Yeah. So you can kind of like hide behind walls and shit to get to this tower. Yeah. That was going to be uh, my question. So they have, do they have like line of sight? Like, can you manage the aggro? Because so many of these times, you know, like stealth just doesn't really work in this series because of the way aggro works. It, it's it's not really when I said stealth, that's overplaying it. I think that what it is is you can kind of put walls between you and them so you can run faster than their their leash will run out. Uh, OK, yeah. you know, you can kind of fuck with their pathfinding to not fight them. OK, um, mm. I fought the first one. It took a lot of Estes. I kind of figure out what they were about and then stopped fighting these guys. Yeah. Um, a couple of them when you run into in the second batch of them, I, I fought them to check out their new moves and stuff, but I didn't enjoy it. So like these guys are on the, the fail side of the pass fail. Yeah. Souls enemies for me. And, um, and and these are the guys we see them later in the mountain pass, right? Like yeah, they're, yeah, they're interspersed. Okay, good. So I have bought these guys like, and the story behind them. So this is another, another, you know, set of people without a home, but like they got Roanoke out of their, uh, out of their <laughs> forest, right? Like yeah. People found this place and all it was there was the Eldritch Oak or something like that. It's, it's their spirit tree. It's the same thing. Um, the, there's been a couple of references to them, but the curse rotted great tree is one of them as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they have this other, uh, thing. There's also, um, an element of them, their ancient enemy, which is the chaos dragon, the abyss dragon, the, the abyss dragon. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, God damn. Um, but the, the abyss dragon, thank you. Uh, which is, you know, could be a new thing. Could be Calamite. Um, you know, could be a couple different things. Yeah. Uh, but they're they're again they're a non sequitur story, <laughs> you know. Like you you do get a complete little story that is not a bad story on its own of right. these guys kind of coming here, like going back to their home, wandering forever. Like it's kind of good, you know. It's kind of a good little story. It just doesn't reflect on anything. Yeah, you know, which is uh, which is frustrating. Like it's a fine story in and of itself. It's a little frustrating. You get most of that from the captain's ashes, which you find in this uh, Archer Tower. Mm. Um, that. Uh, kind of tells like the main thrust of their story. Yeah. Um, these guys, they also, uh, they are said to fight with the earth itself and later ones we run to have earthquake powers. Yeah. Which is pretty I do neat. like, I like getting up to the top of that tower and the archers got his back to you and I just <laughs> kicked him right off the tower. Yeah. <laughs> and by kicked him off the tower, I mean, I tried to kick him off the tower, uh, flubbed the kick and then flailed at him with my sword until he fell off. But you know, same difference. <laughs> That's the, what it's totally what it's made for too. It's like the, the idea that it is uh it's a revenge setup. Yeah. You're like ugh, the, the amount of great bow enemies in these levels is like, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's certainly nothing like Anne or Londo, like nothing that's going to, you know, brand itself in your memory. But like, there were just a couple points where I was like, we're doing this again, huh? <laughs> and they explode now. The arrows hit you and knock you over and then they explode. <laughs> <laughs> But you can get those, and I assume they are fun to use. So, <laughs> oh, probably, yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's a little side thing. It doesn't lead to anything. Like, I don't blame you for missing it because it is one. It it tries to discourage you from going that way. It tries to bounce you off it. But then two, it's just it's pretty hidden. Uh, just, instead, we can. I just feel bad because that. normally I do everything. Blah. Yeah, it's. I mean, you. Know, I, I. That's why I like. I mentioned the last episode. That's why if I think I'm missing something, I I text Allison. Mm. So I, I can put in a good word for you. If you. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the pass is like such an oblique angle. Yeah. I think I only found it because I was coming down from getting the spear the way you go up to get it instead mm. of just jumping off that cliff. And yeah. I was like, oh, there's like a whole nother part of this level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, let's head to that bridge and tower, uh, the kind of crit- more critical path here. To the critical path, which, dun-dun-dun, it's that one image whenever it shows up in any collateral for the series, be it a screenshot, a trailer, um, uh, even just like writing the words out, the rope bridge. Is mm-hmm. this the place? Is it? Have I guarded my heart too much? The dragon area and the dragon shrine, that kind of tripped me up thinking this was going to be the painted world again. But no, here we are. We're looking up at a tower and there's a rope bridge. Yeah. 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 It is. A, it's a rope bridge with secrets, too, which we will uh, <laughs> we'll talk about in a little bit. Which um, is also just like, oh, you got another you just did this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, And that's the thing, like the level design in this place drives me nuts as a person yeah. who like, you know, I don't like to to brag or boast because I don't think I'm that good at that many things. But like one thing I am pretty good at is keeping video game geography in my head. Mm -hmm. And I did this entire DLC in like the worst possible order. Like they could not have intended this order because I got Mm -hmm. to this place. Like I cross this bridge, I get to this tower and I go, well, you know what a bridge means in Dark Souls 3. So I hit the bridge and I went down there mm. and like you get down there and you fight a boss. And I was like, well, where's the rest of the game? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, it, well, it can't be over. Can it? But like so like I sort of went through this whole optional area first before proceeding on what's like the actual plot thing. Yeah. Just because, like, right before you hit this bridge, there's, like, the most obscure ladder. That ladder sucks. <laughs> the hidden <laughs> ladder that is the critical path of the game. Yeah, and again, I only found that because I was coming up the other ladder. <laughs> like, and I was yeah. just like, oh, now I'm in this other area. Oh, I guess this is where I was supposed to go in the first place. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that they gain, you know, they, they gain something with that anyway by having this be an apparent dead end. Almost because when we, you know when we get across this and we meet this you know this the, this knight um, this uh, the Sir Wilhelm who's kind of a dick <laughs> yeah um, yeah you know he and, says his dialogue is actually interesting yes um, mm. here so one he's surprised that you're there because there's you know no bell which sets up kind of a cosmology here that uh, bells would summon this kind of unkindled ash here as well right you know. Um, he doesn't know how you how you got in here, but he's more or less just like, go talk to her. Go talk to the lady. Uh, she's going to tell you what to do. Make sure you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's real aggro with you. Um, we learn about this guy later. Uh, he also has different dialogue if you are the Lord of Hollows. Right. Uh, which is pretty rad. Um, <laughs> you know, that like because it's it's those little touches like that are actually worthwhile, I think. Yeah. You know, it does make it doesn't again, it doesn't reflect on the main game. It doesn't tell us anything about the Lord of Apollos, but it, I always like that in. It's like something you see in Western RPGs mm-hmm. where like, you know, you go and you get a title and then when you walk around the town, everyone calls you by, by that title. Yeah. You know, it's like new, new Reno in uh, Fallout 2. Yeah. And you could be um, forgiven for thinking that him calling you Lord of Shadows aligns this entire place with Londor. Um, but in reality, it's just the powers that be like this yeah. has little to nothing to do with, with with Londor itself. But still, that casts an entirely different light on both this character um <laughs> Frida, who we're going to see here, and also like gives a little bit more meat to the idea of what it means to be the Lord of Hollows. Like you are a king. Like <laughs> the way they send yeah. you away is saying, "Hey, you've got really important stuff to do." <laughs> right, which you know we don't we don't see you mm-hmm. know, but there, it does kind of that that little part that like saying that as a king is one of the very few things in this DLC that like I think does reflect on the main game. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it's a, such a tiny detail, but it's 
you know, I'm thirsty for any crumb that ex- that contextualizes what the Lord of Hollows actually means or is. And I think that says more about how the main game doesn't tell you what that ending actually is yeah. than it does, you know, tell you, then it's a credit to this. It's more of a detriment to that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you go into this, uh, this church here, uh, and it is full of paintings of the same woman uh, <laughs> over and over and over, which is pretty interesting. Um, there are a lot of cool kind of theories as to who this might be and why there are all these paintings of this woman. Um, and we, we run into uh, Sister Friday. Yeah, S- um, sitting beneath a statue of a headless mother holding a baby. Yeah. 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 Way into um, it. Like this this entire tableau that this cuts is incredibly satisfying to me aesthetically. Yeah, it looks really neat. Like it is evocative and helps, you know, it's actually the kind of theorizing and, and the the lore behind who this is and who's in that statue and stuff like is all stuff I buy. You know, it's it's I want to make it clear that like my shitty feelings about the story of the DLC are not that the story itself is necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. It's that it's, you know, it's a new story right. that I didn't feel like necessarily needed to be told. Um, but she says to leave like she, you know, you, Hey, you have this duty, you know, she, if you're the, the Lord of Hollow, she says you have, uh, you know, people to rule. Mm-hmm. The weirdest thing is she like points out a, a, you like a game element. Yeah. She's like, you can leave by that bonfire. Surely you can see it. <laughs> Which Love like that that's, so much? It's very well. It's very strange. Like, can yeah. regular characters not see bon- bonfires in the world? Like, what does that mean? Like, you know, it's something that I is just a gameplay contrivance. Whenever like a story thing interse- intersects with that, you know, it's very very odd to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's neat. Yeah, it's a but little it, like it's a Silent Hill three. <laughs> if, you. if, yep. if you're uh, taking it literally, like. <laughs> And her not just being like, you could see that, right? Yeah. So uh, get to Stefan. Yeah. Well, it's um, I, I like taking it literally too. Like it shows how much he thinks of you. Like yes, yes, the door, the door out is right behind you. So when you came in, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like obviously you can leave. Yeah. You know which previous uh, painted worlds you can't establish <laughs> that you can't. Um, but this one, you know, you can leave whenever you want. And it's just kind of it's it is a cool moment. And she's talking to the player as well. And there's we're gonna run into that kind of stuff. Uh, especially with Sir Vellham is talking to the character and the player most of the time when he's when he's talking. Yeah, um, it's doing that thing. So, um, you know, of course, you, you, you know, you're not going to leave, though. Uh, if you talk to her again, she's like, oh, here's actually a trinket. I can't have it. Uh, and she gives you the chill bite ring, yes. um, a remembrance of this cold world for the great uh, Lord of Londor. Yeah. Here. And uh, this is another one of the bite rings, uh, which are from Kareem, uh, where terrible war crimes are committed to create them, <laughs> essentially. Uh, and it would never touch Frida's hand because this frozen world became her home. Um, and when we kind of learn about her backstory, it ends up making sense right. that she would not try to reject this kind of uh, or protect herself against the frozen aspect of this this world. Right. Because as we will learn, like her kind of position is to embrace it. Yeah. She, uh, warts and all. Yeah. Like she has. I mean, like the, 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 the actual line is she's taken on whatever form is kind of like demanded of her by the. By like by the people here, you know, kind of being the leader they want, not the leader they deserve, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, yeah, she is she is here. Um, she wants to embrace it and she wants to preserve it. Yeah. Um, on your way out, here's Wilhelm talking to the character uh, and the player. <laughs> says, "Hey, you know, you should do what she says. She told you to leave. The bonfire is back there. Curiosity will become your cross." Mm. This is a pretty um, dope line. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Real good. Um, what he says later is actually really good in a vacuum too. Mm-hmm. Like him kind of chiding the player. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go do this little optional thing before we continue down the super hidden critical path. <laughs> Ironically, less hidden is 
cutting down that rope bridge because now similar to finding your first mimic in dark souls one, I'm going to slash every rope bridge forever. I'm going to go back to Uh, old games and slash those rope bridges. I think there are things people (laughs) haven't discovered yet. Yeah. (laughs) Uncharted two will have amazing (laughs) hidden depths for you. Um, yeah, I assume there are lots of rope bridges in that game. I've never played it. That's a safe bet. seems like a rope bridge genre. Um, (laughs) The, um, so you cut down this bridge, uh, so it's exactly like the catacombs of Carthus. Like, yes, they just did this. It would be a really amazing trick if this was new. Um, and, uh, there's some roots on loan from the great hollow, uh, collection. So you do that again. Um, but it's pretty tricky because there are, are giant javelin guys. Uh, yeah. there are, uh, millwood javelin throwers and, and archers down here, um, on your way down to a frozen lake right. at the bottom. Yeah. Um, I dig this. I, I like the scenery of this a lot. And even from a play standpoint and, you know, kind of figuring out a way not to fall and die is, uh, is, is pretty fun. I don't know. Like this, the, the, the this kind of worked for me. Um, and even, you know, my, 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 uh, whatever love of extreme highs and lows. Like I look down at this big frozen river, like, Oh, I can probably get down there. And then yeah. to actually get to that surface is uh pretty great. Yeah. yeah it's I, a, I came into that pretty. kind of I came in kind of scared that <laughs> this was going to be like that one like lump in Blighttown where you're going to get the the uh, the robes, the red robes. I can't remember what oh, they're called. Yeah, yeah. But like on the way yeah. back, you always fall off. Like just <laughs> <laughs> so I was just convinced that there was going to be some sort of like texture malformation that was just going to kill me. But oh, it yeah. turned out it was just the explodey archer guys. Yep. <laughs> But like, ultimately, I didn't feel like this was the hardest thing to navigate. It was kind of a neat like, you know, I I like when you're in a thing, what the size is a lot bigger than you think it should be. Mm -hmm. So like climbing down giant tree roots, I was like, this is fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) this is. uh, Yeah, I I, I appreciate it. Like, and and it looks it's beautiful looking like this is kind of peak snowy aesthetic. Yeah. You know, like uh, this kind of ice lake. It looks very cool Um, for no particular reason. There are giant ice crabs here. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Like ice crabs are a thing, right? Like, is that a kind of crab in real life where they just, they suck them out of the ice? I haven't watched a show on TLC in a long time, but the shells are like houses you see in the, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, the shells are like their skeleton. I think you're thinking of snails. Okay. <laughs> yeah, hermit crabs. Yeah. Uh, like, like they're, like they're the, uh, the, the ice, the ice road crabsters who, uh, <laughs> who, who go around and pull pull them I out of the road the, you keep the crabs on ice hmm yeah oh okay i'm doing maybe a, i'm thinking of that yeah I'm, I'm doing a search for ice crabs and i'm just seeing crabs kept on ice <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> um the uh so anywho they're ice crabs here yeah it's like second verse uh, same as the first i, I like yeah. that they're the, they're like the key cards in metal gear solid uh just <laughs> 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 like you got to carry them here and then you have mm-hmm. to take them to the lava crab or they're already the lava crabs yeah you have to make well, the room they're temperature like a transitory eat. crab that can be anything depending on its environment <laughs> yeah. then. it's like there are three states of crabs crab this yeah. whole time yeah tra- transitory crab was a cut boss uh. <laughs> yeah. um uh they're very difficult you fight a lot of them at once um, one of my favorite <laughs> moments in um avadi video is him just being like all right i fought these guys so you don't have to you get a crystal gem uh you know but it, it's because just reckon like nobody's fighting these things uh you know there's there's no real reason to to engage with these fuckos uh here um there's one path you can go down to get the uh the cold snap or sorry the the snap freeze spell cold snap would be mm-hmm. a much better name for that spell um <laughs> and that is that is the first inkling that we get uh that uh sullivan came from here 
Um, and uh, again, that is just kind of guarded by these tree witches. Uh, that that theory holds no no water for me that he is born of a tree. I think it's there. There's a far more likely culprit for who his mother. I think be. it's far more likely that that tree was Ladder Smith Gulligan. Gulligan, <laughs> yes, Gulligan. Yeah, Gulligan. Because yeah. <laughs> that tree trigger triggers a ladder and some of the worst signaling in the game. Uh, Why? It, yeah. <laughs> what? It, it, it just, just shows up. It's don't feel bad about missing this either, Cole. Because this Jesus. is Jesus. The um, if you kill that, it, it all you miss was a slab. If you kill the, when you kill this tree, and this is the one that like turns into a Ringo and crawls around on its back. Right. Um, I saw that. If you kill it, there's a sound effect that happens that is supposed to signal that a ladder has descended. Oh, cool! Like happens in this game. Yeah, I I hate that. So it's like bad adventure game signaling, <laughs> where like I asked this person about this unrelated thing, so now this guy will talk to me. Mm-hmm. I hate that so much. Like I hate bad. Like you know non sequitur signaling like this and this is that's exactly what it is and it, it just lets you go up to a little uh, little ledge and grab a slab um but it just it's, yeah, just, it's so eventually cheap it's loops like, back to the main path okay yeah it is it is below dark souls to do this kind of shit where like just killing a load-bearing creature makes an unrelated thing on the other side of the map happen yeah um so th- this that's very frustrating um, but anyway, so this is where we learn, you know, again, Sullivan is from the same, and we're getting our cryomancies here. I didn't, I haven't really played a sorcerer in this, uh, in this game. Um, I tried it and it was very underpowered at the start and it, no. I stopped, but, um, this is, uh, I don't know if the sort if the cryomancies are good or not. It seems um, like more of a PVP thing. Like, yeah, like throwing a status in the mix that people are unlikely to be spec to defend against. Yeah. Um, you know, it's probably pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm down um, for that. Um, the other way, it's funny, we were talking about Metal Gear Solid before, takes you to the end of Metal Gear Solid 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, this gigantic yeah. field of white flowers. Yes, and, cool, uh, gravestones and a big wolf. Oh, why is that a gravestone, Yeah, a gravestone with a sword leaning on it. Uh, with just, like, this is, so this is the champion's grave tender. People don't agree with me that the final boss of this is bad. I think it's pretty bad, but mm-hmm. people like that one. Nobody likes this. Yeah. Like I haven't heard anyone say this is a good boss. I so, so uh, I mean I liked at first that it does like the anime thing of swings their shield and like a lion comes out of the, the lion face on the shield. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I've played Tales of Vesperia, I know what that is. <laughs> uh, or like any other anime game. Uh, so I like kind of like this part of the fight, but it's that creeping dread that you feel like from the midway point of Dark Souls 3 where you're like, this fight is way too easy. <laughs> this is uh, just a dude. <laughs> time for you to refill the health bar or just spawn yeah. a whole new guy. Yeah, it's 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 just a guy at first, though. Yeah. It's so weird. It's like, here's a scrub. Like, here, here, here's here's a, a dipshit to fight. Oh, wait, he's, you know, what if there was a guy? Like, he has kind of an interesting moveset because it's a new weapon that's actually pretty fascinating, mm-hmm. uh, the Valor Heart. But it's not enough to make him like boss quality. And the way he's dressed, like he just looks like, like he he looks like um, looks like a player, you know, just like mismatched, like a bad player, like a player yeah. that's specced not for fashion souls, but for, you know, min max like a min maxing player. Yeah, they've mm-hmm. got their like clown costume on basically. 
Yeah. Like, he just, he just doesn't, like, I've never seen a, a boss character look less cool than this in the Souls games. Like, <laughs> you can make an NPC character, but, like, at least dress them up. Like yeah. they're going to, you know, like they're going somewhere. Yeah. Well, he's a, he, he's meant to be scrubby. Like he's the grave tender. He is not the champion. He's a page. Like yeah. he's the guy who like followed the champion around and like opened doors for him. Well, they, they, but this is exceptionally scrubby. Yep. Like they've at least like made, they've made people like not look mismatched. You know, he could have like shoddy looking clothing, but still look like peasants clothes. Like we've yeah. seen peasants in the series and they, they don't look like they're, you know, just ran like hit random on their character creator until no. it became this. It's not monster factory. Yeah, exactly. Is it, like he, he, is it definitely a he? I, I mean, I'm not going to contest you guys on this. I feel like at some point I got in my head that there was a she used somewhere, either the wolf or the dude. Like, maybe I'm just completely conjuring that from nothing. I don't know. But I, I felt like it was some, something. I always think of Sif as a she, but yeah. I feel like that is wrong. No, no, Sif is a lady. I'm pretty sure that's canonical. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't cite a source for it off the top of my head. Sif being female is the name. Uh, Sif is a female. Oh, Norse sure, because yeah. it's Norse. Yeah. Yeah. So Sif is yeah, probably. I think that's a probably lady. where I get it from. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I, looking I, at pictures of this guy, it, it, I think this is definitely a dude. Yeah, I guess if you look at the Valorheart item description, it says the champion fought on without rest until he lost his mind. Yeah. Oh wait, only his page and a lone wolf stayed at the side, so that's actually. Oh, no, so maybe yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm just sort of making that up. But I, it's, I got something got in my head about it. That <laughs> either that or the soul description or something. Yeah. He he just looks like a zombie. So like if you look at him, like I'm looking at a high res like picture of somebody front stabbing him right now, mm -hmm. and it, it's definitely you know uh, a male physique. Yeah. So so the, the the wrinkle for this first part of the fight is that it's not only that we have the grave tender who has this new this new weapon art that we've never seen before, um, but he has three wolves that are around him. Um, yeah. and uh, f f fighting with them. And, you know, the order of operations here is kind of important because he is not as dangerous as all of those wolves are together. So you want to take out the wolves, then him, and then when his support comes, kill him as quickly as possible so, so you can focus on more pressing matters. And and his support, as we mentioned, is the giant wolf more or less from before. Yeah, it's, a, it's, um, it's not Sif. Yeah, yeah, it, it's... It's not Sif, which I was like, man, if that's Sif, I quit. Yeah. Um, it's you know, it's technically not Sif. It's <laughs> definitely trying to evoke Sif memories of having yeah, this, this like wolf. completely ugly. <laughs> it's so it's super ugly in a bad fight. Like Sif is actually like a cool creative fight. This is just another big dog that we fought like a quadrillion times. Yeah. It, it's um, it's it's charge attack is straight out of the uh, old uh, watchdog of the old boards. Um, yeah. Kind of kind of playbook. That keeps appearing, like between those the the, the Sullivan's beasts mm -hmm. and stuff. Like out of all the things to just kind of copy paste move sets from, why would you take like the most frustrating boss from Bloodborne or one of the most frustrating bosses and like map him onto so many enemies mm -hmm. in Dark Souls Three? Like, yeah, I, don't I think know. for me, I was just sort of so charmed by its animations and just having a sort of general affection for dog <laughs> creatures in yeah. games, even the ugly ones. That that sort of raised my estimation of the fight. Or it was that combined with the fact that it's a fairly cheap fight because <laughs> it is very fast and it basically all of its moves are gap closers. It's got one of those breath attacks that like hope you're in the right place or like <laughs> hope you don't respond on instinct and try and run away from it because you'll just die. Like, yeah, so it's one of those ones where it's like if you happen to be standing right next to it when it does it, enjoy your free damage like otherwise, you know, sustain and ha have an S's. 
Um, so I found the fight very difficult, therefore found it satisfying when I did, when I beat it. Uh, and I beat it a lot by like anything that I can bleed, I will take the easy way out and just throw kukris. Mm, <laughs> so like, yeah. if I'm out of Estes, it's kukris till the cows come home, basically. <laughs> so it's like, I think that's how I finished that fight was just chucking uh, bleed knives at it until it went down after I drained all my Estes. And so at the time, it felt, you know, that sort of profound Dark Souls relief. But reflecting sure. on that, it's like, ah, that boss is kind of a jerk. And the other, all the bosses in this are kind of jerks. <laughs> He's not um so Sif like the cool thing about Sif and and uh is like one so he's not a big dog. He's a big dog holding a sword. Which like when I first saw that I thought that was goofy and stupid and now I love it with all of my heart. You know like now I think that is stupid in the best possible coolest way. Mm. But the the neat thing about that is that how it influences the fight. Like I'm not fighting a big wolf. To me like fighting a dog is really pedestrian. Uh, I'm fighting this dog that was trained by this great swordsman. And then later I fight that swordsman and see shadows of the moves mm -hmm. uh, from that dog. And like, that's so cool. This is it. It's like, just like, who's, who is this? Yeah. Like there's no, there's no context to this to give it meaning. Uh, so it ends up just kind of being a dog, like an NPC fight, some little dogs and a big dog fight that I have no connection to or care for. Um, and to be fair, like, you know, if, if people are like, you're being too hard on it, it's just a multiplayer concern. Yep. <laughs> like, I, I get it. Like, it's you're totally right. Like, it is this is not meant to be a story mission. This is just a weird little side thing uh, to introduce you to the multiplayer component of the DLC. Fine. You know, but for my purposes of going through it single player, uh, I found it pretty frustrating and unsatisfying. Yeah. But, uh, fight but, and lore context. But also, like, kind of have respect for this thing that a lot of people really enjoy. Like, if if it is supposed to be insubstantial because it is leading to this multiplayer thing um don't cash in on one of the most beloved boss fights of the first game yeah you know to like, late, one, late to one that's it. so much dignity right yeah. so like that that quiet dignity thing that we all love in souls like is there a better like dictionary picture for that than sif limping and you having to put him down anyway yeah like sif falling on his side trying to hit you with his sword uh is there like a better single thing that can happen that encapsulates the aesthetic of like how dark souls enemies work <laughs> you know, where the emotionalism to them and then just to be like, oh, here, you know, the players would probably like a giant wolf next to a, a grave with a sword because that's what they liked about the first one. Yeah. You know, it feels like a misunderstanding of the the series to me in like a real fundamental way. You know, like it, it does. Like, I think you said disrespectful and like I games aren't people. They don't have honor. But there is an element where it's like, man, is this a cheapening of something that is really special? Mm -hmm. You know, Uh it, it, the fact that it's just for a PvP arena almost makes it worse because it's it's literally a throwaway optional thing that leads to something that is not related to the stories you're telling. You know, for me, like I could almost think of it as like less a disrespect to the game and not to be like completely melodramatic about this. And this is not how I feel in like a deep trenchant way. But like it feels a little disrespectful to me as like, you don't think I'm better than this? Like you think this is all I want? Like, just tell me yeah. Sif exists, please, because I love Sif so much. <laughs> like, and I love Artorias so much. And I do. <laughs> like, I yeah. feel Artorias is like one of the best boss battles in recent memory. But it, that's it just makes me feel worn out to be like mm -hmm. so aggressively pandered to. And I'm like, dude, you like you're pretty much a fine game by yourself. <laughs> you know, you're not my yeah. favorite Souls game, but like even a 
a C minus Souls game is not a C minus video game, right, basically, right. or at least as far as they've been putting them out. So, like, I I would have been more content if this was the same DLC with like a lot of these serial numbers filed off. <laughs> and Dave, you uh, Gary, you're going to edit in some sirens, I think, because you just said the magic word, worn out. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, really? yeah. <laughs> I'm not actually, that's not a, no, (laughs) we'll just making up things and trying to make the edit harder for me. (laughs) I I wronged him in a past life. No, I'm not going to, to me, like it's, it's, that's, that's funny. And it's snarky about things being worn out, but at the same time, like I'm feeling too much genuine emotion. I feel, I feel worn out is my, (laughs) is, is, is my big thing. I have, I have a lot of genuine emotion about this, but like, you know, this is, this is the most recent in a parade of kind of indignities about this. Yeah. And so, like that, that, that's what that's where my my acid comes from. Yeah, with that, which I, I yeah, I, I totally get. It's pretty frustrating. Um, you fight him. This weapon that we that you get, which we talked about, uh, the Valor Heart is pretty interesting. Um, it's a sword and shield combo that has block frames on some of its attacks, mm-hmm. which means it blocks while you're attacking, which is totally new to the series and is like an. I I don't play a lot of PvP, but I could see actually being legitimately really interesting, and shaking things up. So like, good on them for coming up with a new mechanic uh for this um you also get the champion's bones which allow you to uh, burn that at firelink to enter a, a pvp arena um and fight uh these are set up as duels so like they have restrictions they have time limits they have uh, they stop you from using estus um if you were just looking to duel this seems like this is good you know so yeah. in my final evaluation of the dlc i can't really include this because that's not why i play these games but everything i've kind of read everything i've looked at is this is actually like you know, people want it more because people always want more. But what's here is actually pretty good. Yeah. As far as a PvP arena. So, you know, forgive us if we don't talk too much about this, like it's one versus one or, you know, three versus three duels. Um, we have some uh, stuff in the appendix about this. Um, people who had kind of mixed, mixed uh, experiences with it. But um, th- there is some lore about this. Like it's essentially a great outdoor fight that was held for the undead to celebrate undeath. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that is uh, that's what we get by kind of fighting this uh, this optional boss here. And uh, Gary, we're calling it aud- an audible, right? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. We don't usually do this because uh, we plan these things out. But this was gonna be a four-hour episode, so we're gonna break it in half. Um, this is uh, the DLC is short, but it is dense. Like a lot of people were like, "Oh, this is too short," kind of hour-wise, and they might be ca- the case. But there is a lot to talk about, and because almost none of it references stuff we've already talked about, it's all new. Uh, so this is uh, we're actually gonna do this as two episodes rather than uh, one. Um, that will come out next week instead of the appendix, and uh, we're still gonna be joined by Dave. Dave's mm-hmm. hanging around. Um, yeah. but we're splitting this in half. Yeah. So, uh, as we, uh, we move on, uh, so thank you, uh, for agreeing to do that, Dave. Thank mm-hmm. you for doing this in the first place. Um, let people know for this Sunday, uh, this episode, uh, where they can find you. It's gonna be real weird. I'm gonna ask you that same question in about 90 minutes. So. <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, for now, so it's uh, okay. Uh, I have my answer prepared. Uh, my sort of general website is friendsfromtheinternet.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm fast karate, most places, Twitter, uh, Twitch, um, if I may, and if this is uh, 
too strong a plug, feel free to, you know, whack me on the news with the nose with the newspaper. Um, I, I had just had a book come out. Uh, it's sort of a YA paranormal novel called uh, The Dead Side Girls, werewolves, vampires, as discussed. I think wolves are pretty cool. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's mostly about being a depressed <laughs> uh, teen with too much empathy. Uh, and I'm sort of donating um, donating the proceeds to a local New York uh, charity called the Sylvia Rivera Law Project, um, which is uh, sort of uh, it's legal aid for trans and gender nonconforming people to help with mm -hmm. name changes, IDs, immigration, stuff like that. Uh, so I, I know you guys like I sort of I caught portions of your your um, the duck stream and I know you guys are sort of friendly to those sorts of causes and I feel like it's a sort of now more than ever thing. Yeah. So I've sort of been trying to find ways to contribute however I can. Um, and so j just briefly, uh, deadsidegirl.com is, is the link to that. But, you know, everything's on Twitter nowadays and so am I and all my links are there at Fast Karate. Yeah, well, good for you, man. That's tremendous. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that, that's 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 really good, uh, really good, and that's one hundred percent something we feel good about having plugged on the show. Yeah. Um, for for us, uh, if you if you like this show, and um, the best way to support it and support the entire network is to go to Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash DuckfeedTV, um, even as little as a couple bucks a month makes a big difference. I know that's a cliche, but it's absolutely true. We've seen it. Um, yeah, it's a, yeah, we've seen it in action. Um. And so we really do appreciate that. And you get a lot of cool rewards. You can read about all that stuff there. Yep. Um, um, like that enables us to do new shows like um, Radio Free Midworld. That's a new show that just uh, has kind of hit its stride, um, which is a, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books by, Steve, uh, by Stephen King. That is a tremendous amount of fun to do. And uh, I wouldn't be able to do it without your support. Yeah. Yeah. And we have other stuff that is, has come that will come uh, down the way. Um, lots of neat stuff. And you should uh, definitely check that out there. Um, ratings reviews are also very useful. Um, a big thing now, since we are coming up on the winter holidays, is to uh, use our Amazon referral link. Um, you're probably doing Christmas shopping on Amazon. Everyone uses Amazon constantly. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't blame you. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's very good. Um, if you go to duckfeed.tv forward slash tip jar, um, you can go through that Amazon link. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it actually makes a pretty big difference for us. Yes. So if you can't uh, patronize us, which we understand, this is a way to make a big difference more or less for free. Right. Um, and we appreciate everybody who takes the extra step to do that. Um, I also want to mention real quick, uh, and I put this at the front of the show as well, but I'll put it here. Um, my Dark Souls inspired book, Souls of Darkness, is part of the uh, story bundle this uh, this month. So if you go to storybundle.com forward slash games, um, you can get that. Uh, it is in the premium tier. There's a bunch of great stuff that pay whatever you want. Um, a lot of great stuff in the premium tier as well. Uh, including the uh, the boss fights books on uh, Super Mario Brothers three, and the hardcore gaming one uh, one hundred one book, the two hundred best games of all time, which is great. Uh, but you get the audio book, um, you get a lot of cool Souls of Darkness uh, stuff there, and uh, that is not only does that help me out personally because I get money from it, but I'm also donating uh, ten percent of the total don proceeds go to the uh, the Pixel uh, project, which is a nonprofit that focuses on women in games, uh, young women in games. And then I am donating 10% of my personal proceeds to the ACLU. So, um, go ahead and head there and uh, pick up some books for cheap. Um, and as of, as of this recording, you have seven days. As of the time this drops, you probably have five, yep. four or five. So, uh, time is of the essence. Yep. Get in there. And because Gary won't say it, I will. Uh, Souls of Darkness is great. Read it. Oh, it's delightful. You. 
Thank you very much. I'm uh, I'm very proud of it. Um, in a recent abject suffering uh, or one that's coming out, there's a funny story about the souls of darkness. So <laughs> you should listen to our other shows as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's probably about it. And um, we're going to move on to recording the second episode. If this is frustrating to you that we're splitting this in half uh, rather than doing a four hour episode, uh, you know, we do apologize, but we also, uh, you know, this show isn't that this isn't watch out for fireballs. <laughs> we try to, we try to keep things reasonable here in bonfire side chat land. <laughs> yep. um, yeah. So we will, uh, we'll see you in a week and we'll be talking about uh, the end of the DLC. Umbasa. Umbasa. And we all pray that we will have far more soon 